Hello everyone, it's Dr. Sam. I'd like to welcome you to my iClarity podcast. This is a show that offers cutting edge information on how to improve your vision and overall wellness through holistic methods. I so appreciate you spending part of your day with me. If you have questions, you can send them to hello at drsamburn.com. Now to the latest iClarity episode. So um, there's a lot to unpack here. You're doing some great things, but um, where are you? What's the status, say, today or this past weekend in terms of Melanie's eyes? She's seven years old. She's been through a lot uh, on many levels. Yeah. Uh, so give me a, an updated status report. Uh, on, based on where we are. Yeah. Um, sure. I think, to be honest, since I caught, there is, there's no, I think at this point, there's no doubt in my mind that I'm dealing with some kind of inflammation. Okay. Um, and I think I wrote in the notes that they said in the beginning, she was allergic to dairy, uh, wheat and eggs, but they told me, oh, there's no, you know, impact, just give it to her because we don't see anything. I don't know if, and that was the wrong thing to do or not, but we, we re-removed dairy um, and the other thing that I saw made a big impact was the oat. So we removed oat and I think it got a little bit better. Now it's also eight months since she got that, whatever virus it was. I don't know, did that go through a phase? And now maybe if there was inflammation because of the virus, that's getting better. I, I, I don't know that part, but I would say in the last two weeks by being very careful with her diet, um, we made some improvement. I can see, sorry, <laughs> I can see things get worse based on food. Like one day she had French fries and there was canola oil. The day after her eyes were horrible. So I feel like I, I'm finding a pattern, but I don't know what it is, right? There was, there is no doubt. There was a strabismus at the beginning, like I, and that's still there, right? Because when we go, they can measure it, and that's very, very limited. But again, that was completely, uh, not not completely under control. Because I think I saw you, you saw the report from Dr. Green for the visual development. So that one, there's obviously things that was not working very well with her, be it with reading or I could see pattern. So that was there impacting the brain. But when she got sick, right, that was the biggest thing that suddenly in May, it was diplopia 50, 60 times a day. I would take her shirt off, the eyes get stuck. Like I would put her pajama on, the eyes would get, it was like nonstop. That's the part that concerned me, right? It was, okay, I do the visual therapy for the stratismus, right? Stratismus, I can't pronounce it properly. But what happened with that virus? that she went from at least being able to function daily to the eyes getting, and when they get stuck, she tells me my eyes get stuck and she sees too, but the eyes are in the middle. I don't see the shift when she's tired at night and I see that left eye drift. When she, from the time she got that virus, when she tells me my eyes are stuck, and that means I ask her, what does it mean when you say the eyes are stuck? She says, I see too. But 
I see them right in the middle. I don't see a drift at all. And she has to physically touch for the eye to get fixed. Now we're working on, okay, don't touch your eyes, close your eyes and tell your eyes where to focus. And that seems to help. Um, but that's the part that suddenly was a big change since the month of May. Okay. So let's talk uh, big picture for a second and then we'll go into more specific uh, things. So what your daughter is experiencing is something we used to see a lot when I was in my training at a place called the Gazelle Institute. And the Gazelle Institute was a very uh, well-respected research center affiliated with the Yale Study Center in New Haven, Connecticut. And it was started in the late 1940s by a developmental physician, Arnold Gazelle, and a psychologist, Fran Francis Ilge. And it was a place where there was research done on the experience that children went through in their sensory motor development. And a big emphasis was on vision and vision development. And I attended that institution in the mid 1980s. It was a year long program. And one of my teachers, his name was Dr. John Streff, he's no longer alive. And we used to shadow him when he would evaluate kids and kids like Melanie. And he developed a type of syndrome called, or he called it the Streff syndrome. And what it was is that children's eyes would get stuck okay. in a certain position. And it could be diplopia, it could be um, having difficulty reading the eye chart. And there was no glasses, regular glasses prescription that would fix the problem. And what it was, was a shutdown and a very extreme stress response in what we call the sympathetic nervous system. So our nervous system has got two expressions one is the active state called the sympathetic nervous system that's our active state we're actively doing things our adrenals are working our endocrine system is on and it's a normal active state and then the second aspect is called the parasympathetic ner nervous system and that's our relaxation state important for digestion for sleep for rejuvenation and so in this Streff syndrome, or another term that he used was called the non-malingering syndrome. Like the kids S-T-R-E-F-F. Mm -hmm. Yep, John Streff, you can look him up. And non-malingering syndrome, which would be the same thing, meaning these kids would come in for the evaluation and the regular eye doctor said, well, there was nothing wrong. You know, they're, 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 they see, they see, okay, there's no prescription needed. They're faking it. You know, there's just, they're lazy, something like that. But at Gazelle, we realized that these kids were under incredible stress. And one of Dr. Streff's uh, amazing discoveries was that he would prescribe a pair of learning lenses, learning glasses. Now, what, what are learning glasses, learning lenses? 
they are a very tiny, 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 low-powered magnification lens. Okay. You can't get it in a drugstore, you know, like when a 40-year-old needs reading glasses, that's a very strong magnification. This is not that. This is, this is like, um, I don't know if you're familiar in homeopathy, but we talk about potencies in a very, the, the smaller the potency of the, of the homeopathic, the stronger the effect it has on the person because like treats like. It's like stimulating a part of a person's own immunity or nervous system reaction or whatever. So this low plus lens, what we observed over and over again <clears throat> is we'd give it to the child and within a few days, the stuckness would go away okay. and the peripheral vision would open up and the visual acuity at distance would go back to normal. And so then they would just wear these lenses under you know, visually intensive activities like reading and writing and uh, it was before computers, but um, he discovered that this low plus lens was helpful for these kids where their eyes were straight, but they saw double, where they couldn't focus, their eyes would stick in place because the way the lens worked is when you put it on, it immediately stimulated the parasympathetic nervous system of the body. So the eyes are an entryway which tell us what is the state of our nervous system. Like light sensitivity means that our sympathetic nervous system is over, overworking. And the reason we know this is because when you're sympathetically over in overdrive, your pupils tend to dilate more, even in bright light, and they're not able to reflexively constrict. Like what happens if you and I go out into the sun, the pupils get smaller, and so we're able to regulate our response. But when somebody is in overwhelm about their sympathetic nervous system, they're going to be light sensitive, and their visual field is going to start to go like this, and of course, the eye muscles, you're not going to connect to them. So when you wear this lens, what it's ha what's happening optically is the light is coming into the eyes and it's spreading the light into areas of the eyeball and the retina that the, the child is not able to access because they're in a fight, flight, freeze response. They're stuck in their fight, flight, freeze, sympathetic they just can't get out of it. It's kind of partly trauma, it's partly stress, and they can't regulate themselves. It's almost like they get stuck. And what happens, the sad thing that I see in the practitioners, and I don't mean to be critical, is that each, each uh, specialty is looking at it through the lens of the specialty that they were trained in, and they're not seeing the, the whole person. And this is very disappointing, even in the, the vision therapy doctors, and not all of them are like this, but it becomes even, that's an eyeball situation, an eye muscle situation. Well, first of all, it's the brain that's directing the eye muscles, and it's the brain that's the traffic director in teaching a child how to use their eyes in relationship to their brain and body, and what I learned at Gazelle is there are developmental motor patterns 
that are foundational that need to be integrated before you can use the specific muscles of the eyes. And one of the treatment modalities that is important in all kids is something called the primitive survival reflexes. These are movement patterns that every infant goes through in their quest to understand how to use their body in space. And it's related to their vestibular, their ears, it's related to their eyes, it's related to their oral motor, their speech, and eventually their cognitive skills. But it starts where these movement patterns occur in utero. And then at birth, more of these primitive survival reflexes emerge. And the purpose of these reflexes is to help a newborn adjust to being out of the birth canal. And I can tell you based on what you wrote me is that Melanie is still very enmeshed in her moral reflex. That's part of the issue here where she has not integrated the moral reflex. So the moral is our startle reflex. It's our ability to adjust to new experiences, so on and so forth. So in our protocol, <clears throat> Number one, I think these learning lenses would be valuable to you and I can send you a prescription and you can go locally anywhere to any optician and get them. And I'll explain to you when to wear that, when she wears them and so on. The second thing I wanna show you is the Moro reflex and how she can work with integrating that because she's stuck in a fight, flight, freeze response. Number three, I think that color therapy on her eyes would be beneficial that will relax her eyes. You know, there's a group of eye doctors uh, called uh, Syntonic, S-Y-N-T-O-N-I-C, optometrists. Have you heard of them? I was reading about them, and we, right now we give her blue glasses and green glasses. Okay, so we'll talk a little more deeply about the, the color therapy. And... Um, you know, I, I was I used to teach the, the color work uh, through them and, and so on, brought it to Denmark and Mexico. I'm not part of that group anymore, um, but um, I because I've developed my own methods. But um, I do think that the, the color therapy, because it's nonverbal, could also be helpful to her. The next thing I would take a look at, and I am a therapist in this, so I, I know about it is cranial work craniosacral i i have oh. an appointment with tell me if this is the same i have an appointment we haven't done it with the um path? Uh, of, uh, osteopath yes yes so as long as the osteopath is you know we're, we're doing craniosacral to me, if she was my patient, I would be doing a lot of cranial work to help her move out of that fight, flight, freeze response. See, part of what's going on for her, and we'll talk about the virus and some of the other allergies and so on, uh, because those are contributing as well, is that we need to give her some relief and space in being able to regulate herself so that she's not getting stuck in the fight, flight, freeze situation. And unfortunately, the doctors that you are going to are only looking at the symptom in the eyeball. So, you know, you're not going to get 
this this macro picture of you know when we're working with a child we're working with the whole child not just the eyeball and the strabismus the strabismus is only a symptom of this confusion of you know mom i'm scared i i don't know what's going on and the craniosacral again is another very effective tool that can penetrate the defenses that that a child might you know adapt to and it will bring a calm and a sense of spaciousness so that there can be more understanding of what it takes to regulate so that you can move out of that i'm not as concerned about the strabismus and i think that is going to take care of itself there are some supportive things that one can do but um there, there's a bigger thing going on here in the nervous system and now let's move to the virus and the allergies and so on so in your history um one of the things that jumped jumped out at me is the uh, allergy to dairy. I saw that immediately, which you picked up on because of the ear infections. Um, because of my studies with um, developmental delays in kids and functional medicine, I learned very early on that when kids get a lot of ear infections or ear issues, if we cut, cut out the dairy, then um, a lot of times things would get better. And if you start using, you know, multiple antibiotics, it affects the, the microbiome in the gut. And of course, with the gut is kind of tied into our immune health. The stronger our immune health, the more we can handle different kinds of environmental things and food things. So underneath all this, you've got some kind of either, you know, malabsorption, um, digestive interference going on there. And these allergies that you're discovering, you know, it's kind of helping you get clear with well, what kind of diet can we really do. And the, the other thing about it is because of the, the digestive stress, if we did a test like, um, say, a hair mineral analysis, we would probably find a profile of perhaps sensitivity to carbohydrates, perhaps uh, low mineral, trace mineral levels. We might even find some exposure to um, heavy metals or, or things like that. And so even if you give the best organic food out there, you're behind the eight ball because uh, Melanie has a, a problem on her cellular level in terms of uh, absorbing nutrients, which are helpful in uh, producing energy, which would help her regulate herself more. And then the second part of that is the detoxification pathway. If she does, if she is confronted with um, toxins or inflammation that her body is able to repair itself and, and move through it. So there's a lot of levels and layers here in this, and each child is really different in how they're going to respond to these different, um, you know, approaches. And you have to be kind of an alchemist, alchemist, meaning that 
you know, one size does not fit all. And it may be you do this for a while and then you switch to that. And so then we're doing the learning lenses and then maybe we're doing the color therapy and you're gonna find the cranial work to fit in there and the color therapy. And so we're, we're gonna have to kind of find the right combination. But I think that this more, how would we say integrative global approach is gonna meet Melanie better than some of the things that you might be doing right now. But in the big picture, the explanation is that her system is overwhelmed and her sympathetic nervous system is overworking and she's not absorbing her nutrients very well. And there's probably some developmental challenges going on that go back to those primitive reflexes. And so you're gonna to need to employ many of these different things that we can go into more details on exactly what you should do and when you should do it. But I wanted to give you kind of the big picture, the terrain on how I see it based on, you know, reading the history, the profile and so on. So what I'd like to do now is I'd like to um, get your questions, comments. If you've heard these things before, this kind of a perspective or not. And then once you understand what I just said, then we're going to go into the practical side. All right. Give me the give me the. The, the, the practical things, what do I need to do here to help my daughter so she can, you know, go back to a normal life. So I'm going to turn it over to you and see what your questions or comments are. And then and then we'll go on to the practical solutions. So um, first, I have to say, I'm, to be honest, until now, every time I went to a doctor and she would say my eyes get stuck, they were like, Oh, she doesn't understand. You're the first person that you're even mentioned the name of the syndrome. Now I need to write it down. Can you write it down, please? Streff syndrome. Streff. Yes, Streff syndrome. Another term for it is called the non malingering syndrome. And um, yes. Just one second, right? Because when it happens to her, like when you were talking about the glasses, when it happens, I mean, the eye, she's like, the eyes don't listen to me. They get stuck and then she has to do her, I guess she has to, the reason I couldn't understand why she has to touch it with her hand is because maybe she needs that extra stimulus by hand. Sure, I mean, it's a functional problem. It's a functional problem that she's not able to control and direct her eyes where she wants to. She, it's like there's a disconnect. So you, you can do it manually it's like she needs some kind of feedback because her system just it's basically a lockdown okay okay so that go ahead should i think it of a it's the nerve and the eye communication gets disconnected is that yeah, the way I should say that, would, that would be a way to say it you could say it that way the nerves are disconnecting from the muscle and where is the source of the nerves the brain the brain is your your certain your nervous system and there there's so many nerves and muscles that go to the brain and so there's a shutdown there's a lockdown between the nerves and the and the eyes and the, the source of the nerves is in the brain so what's affecting the brain is the stress okay. 
And part of that stress is the developmental delay, the moral reflex, that infant reflex is still going, going strong. And in the eye, because the, the eye is not able to function normally, the pupils stay dilated, which is a signal that the, the person is under a lot of stress and they can't regulate themselves. So what the, the low plus glasses do is she puts it on and it changes the input into the into the eyes and the brain like the light is coming in very differently through those lenses so that's going to create a change in how she's processing and that's what we want to do we want to help her create a change in her processing and once she starts going oh i've got more periphery i don't have to try as hard there's more relaxation then the system can kind of relax. And then if we combine the Moro reflex, talk about the color, do the cranial, maybe do some dietary biochemical things. Now you're doing five or six things that are supporting her to become better regulated and reconnect the eyes to the muscles and to the nerves. Okay, okay. I, 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 it's very helpful to go over that. Can, can you help me understand one part, please? I, I think the part that I still cannot connect the dot is whatever virus that was, right? What, what did that trigger? What did, did that cause an inflammation in her? What did that trigger to create all these things suddenly even more, right? What was that? Like, is it the, is the virus still in her? Is the virus in her liver? What am I also dealing with that aspect? Well, we are exposed to so many pathogens in our body daily, you know, hourly, <laughs> every second. And the, the point is, is that in order to build our immunity, our, our body needs to be able to coexist with pathogens. And when a person is in a vulnerable state with their immune system to begin with like i don't think the virus was the first thing i think that she's probably been this way for a while where her immune health is not strong so then a pathogen comes in it's going to create something in the body where the body says okay i'm going to create a normal inflammatory response but again, if the immune system is not working well, then the inflammatory response gets stuck or it gets larger and she's not able to move through the next stages. This creates a blockage <clears throat> in the energy and it doesn't allow um, nutrient absorption. You know, inflammation creates an acid climate. <clears throat> and so she's not absorbing. She's already under stress from a sensory motor perspective, and then she gets this virus. Well, it's kind of like a domino effect where she, she was already overwhelmed before the virus came in. <clears throat> and now the virus has put an interference in her cellular health, her ability to produce the energy to uh, ward off the, the virus. And so everything shuts down. 
the digestive system, the endocrine system, the nervous system, the fluid system, you know, everything is just kind of like, whoa, I'm overwhelmed. There's nothing I can do. So she doesn't have a lot of resiliency or or resources to deal with this pathogen that has come in. So, you know, the question is, does she still have it? Probably not, but she's dealing with the, the remnants of it after the fact because her system doesn't have the resiliency to bounce back. She's still dealing with possibly inflammation or oxidative stress or, you know, a lot, a lot of different things, but it's putting a, you know, a, a fatigue in her. So okay. what, what we have to, what we have to address is indirectly, and we'll, we'll kind of unpack this a little more. What can we do to boost her digestive health and her immune health? And that's going to be a process of doing and trying different things, staying away with certain allergy reaction foods, and maybe maybe doing something else. We'll we'll kind of see, but um, you know, it's kind of like a person is already overwhelmed because their sensory motor system and the stress is affecting their brain, and then you're exposed to a pathogen, your system is already in a low resistance. So that's just gonna, you know, piling on. And then the, the, the things with sugar and dairy, which have absolutely, especially the sugar has absolutely no nutritional value. Um, she's basically running on empty, running on a depleted state. So even if you do physical therapy or whatever, you know, one of the secrets is you number one, build the cellular health, and then the person has enough energy to absorb the physical therapies that you're giving them. So that's the sequence. Um, One of the mistakes is you don't think about or worry about this cellular energy and you just apply the physical therapy and the person doesn't get any better or just gets a little better. And then what happens is you kind of go, well, the physical therapy didn't work. Well, it didn't work because on a sequential level, you need to start by increasing the health on a cellular cellular level body throughout the entire body. And if we just talk about the eyes, they have the highest metabolic need of the body. So, um, you know, you're not going to get anywhere with the physical therapy stuff because she doesn't have the energy that we're asking her to make the changes. So we need to give her the energy. Okay, thank you. Now I'm ready to hear the plan. <laughs> okay, so here are the action steps. Okay, let me... Number one. Will number I get the recording for this since you mentioned yeah, you're it? You're getting the recording, yeah. The action steps are number one, I'm gonna send you a prescription, which will be the prescription that I learned from Dr. Streff. By the way, I would Google the Streff syndrome, I just did it right now, and you'll see there's a lot written on it um, and what it is. And so these low plus lenses, you can go to an optical place, you get a frame, they'll fill the lenses. Um, and she should start wearing them, I would say, as much as she can initially during the day, but she gets to take them off if she wants to. So like if she's playing, if she's you know around the house, uh that would be a good time for her to wear it 
and then just watch her eyes, watch her behavior, watch what happens um, in her vision. And I would say she can wear it, there's a range. She can wear it an hour on, an hour off. She can wear it, you know, two hours on, an hour off, or she might just want to wear it. She might put them on and go, wow, these feel good. I like these. So she can wear them. They're not going to weaken her eyes. Definitely she should wear them for uh, close work and, you know, reading and computer. She probably doesn't need them as much if she's socializing or playing outside or, you know, things like that. And it takes somewhere between three to seven days of wearing these learning lenses where you may start to see a crossover or the eyes don't feel as frozen. And, you know, you're just going to watch these symptoms, the double vision, <clears throat> the straightening of the eyes, the eye focus, the light sensitivity, and see if there's any change. And the purpose of wearing the learning lenses is to change the relationship in the eyes and the nerves and the brain. So it's going to change the processing because the light is going to be spreading more equally throughout the two eyes. Now, after that, say, seven-day period, and if you start to see her getting better, you can ask her, you know, you can wear these a little less if you want to, and she may not. She may, she says, I like these. These are, these are, I feel more relaxed with them. But where you really want to target when she's wearing them is more of her arm's length, 14 inches. That, that would be the, the best position. So these, these are something that she's going to use for a while, you know, it could be six months or a year, and we can check in, you know, in a month or two, and, and you can email me and say, hey, this is what is happening. But this is, this is number one. Okay, number two would be, I, I'm going to send you directions on how to do the Moro reflex integration. So this is called the starfish, and she basically lies on the floor or she lies, she can be in a beanbag chair or even sitting up. And the position is her, her arms are out like this, her head is tilted back and her legs are, are spread apart, or bending the knees. And what she's gonna do is she's gonna bring her arms and her legs in like in a fetal position and the head is gonna go to the chin. And then she's going to uncross everything. And notice I put my right over my left. It's right foot, a right ankle over the left ankle and the right arm over the left arm. And we're coming into midline. So in strabismus, in the eyes, if this is my left eye and this is my right eye, this is what I'm doing. Okay. So we're going to use the body as a way to help the eyes understand I can be in divergence and then I can come into convergence, my midline. The, the Moro also helps integrate the vestibular system with the visual system. The Moro also helps relax the fight, flight, freeze response. So the Moro does a lot of things. So we do one cycle where we come in with the right over left, we uncross, and then we do the left over the right, left ankle over the right ankle, and that's one cycle. And then we open it up and then we do right over left again. Open up, left over right. So we're gonna do a total of five cycles. So right, 
left is one cycle. Okay. And I'll send you a handout on it uh, so that you, you know, you'll understand it. And it, it would be something that you're going to do every day if you can um, as part of her, you know, eye therapy. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so after one month, you can stop. I want you to stop and just let her integrate it. Just, just kind of take a break. And then maybe we'll talk again if you feel you need more input and we can go on to some of the other primitive re reflexes. But for now, it's going to be the learning lenses, the moral reflex. And then with the color therapy, those colors are good, the green, the blue. Um, so basically, you can do it in a way where she's wearing them, but she's not doing something. She's just kind of hanging out. Maybe you read to her. Maybe she's listening to music. You can use a dim uh, light source. It doesn't need to be bright light. And she can spend anywhere between a minute to five minutes looking through each of the colors. And you can also ask her, you know, when you look through the color, how does it feel? You know, do you like it? Is it relaxing you? And um, so she usually what doesn't the, like it. She doesn't like it. She doesn't like the green or she doesn't like the blue. I think you know what it is. Maybe it's the glasses, but in general, she's very sensory. And you know, she, so I had to put tape on the glasses to make them softer. But oh, like, it's not that she sits down and she's relaxing. It's it's she <laughs> doesn't want to do it. I have to force her to do it. Is it the fr frames that are uncomfortable yeah, to? Okay, frames well, are very um, cardboardy. Okay, so there's a couple things here. Um, you're going to need to be very, very careful when you choose the frames for the learning lenses. Okay. That it's light, it's a good color. She, she's got to get on board with it. You don't want to have to force her to, to do it. So instead of the, um, another way that you could do the color therapy would be, um, I can send you some colored cellophane gels. Okay. And what you can do is you can put them, um, the two ways to do it. She could wear it over the eyes, but she might be sens sensory, like, yeah, I don't want to have this, but it's, there's no frame. It's basically just a gel that she just puts over. Or the other way you could do it is you could put that light, or you could put that gel on a low dim light bulb and have her just look at it. I think that may be the best because anything that gets close to her eyes, yes, the eyes get stuck. That's why when I do the clothes, they get stuck. Yes, exactly. So, um, so um, I'll send you those gels. I'll mail them to you, and um, um, and then you can use them. I'm going to send you a couple of other colors too. Um, I'm actually going to send you a set of colors, which also are red, orange, yellow green, blue, violet, and magenta. And I want you to play this game with her where you can actually take a flashlight and you can put it on through the gel so that when she looks at the color, she sees the color. So the flight is out here. Mm -hmm. And play the game where, number one, you go through all the colors. We're going to do red for, you know, and you can get her to track her eyes. So, oh, here it is. I want you to follow it. Follow it, follow it. That's a nice way for her to get into some tracking. Yeah. 
and find out what color is her favorite. Okay. And maybe spend more time with that. You know, it may be intuitively what I'm, I'm picking up is that maybe what she needs is more of the red, orange, yellow colors. She might, she might like those better than the green and the purple or the blue. I don't know, but we call it the rainbow method where you give them all the colors. You can have her sitting, you can have her standing, you can have her lying down. And so very, the illumination in the room, dim, a little brighter, and also her positioning. Okay. You can also have her do it with each eye so you can cover. I know you went through patching and that is a big mistake. It's very traumatic. And if that doesn't, if that doesn't uh, work for her, then, then don't have her do it. But yeah, I think I like that scares her, to be honest. I'd left the mark with the whole. Uh, of course it did, yes. But anyway, you want to get her to use the colors and move her eyes. So you're using a flashlight that you're putting through the color and that's moving so that she gets to, she gets to do it. Do, do I need to go a specific order for the colors? Does it matter? Well, so the order is, is important and it's not important. So it's important from a standpoint that when you first start it, I would either start with the red and then go orange, yellow, green, blue, violet, or start with the violet and go backwards to the red. So that organization is, is helpful. And then maybe pick a day where you put the colors out and you say, okay, Melanie, choose your favorite color. And let's just do that one. So she's got some say in it. And you might be surprised what color she chooses. So you might say, what's the color you don't like that you hate the most, <laughs> that you don't like. So maybe do a little bit of that one and then say, all right, let's do now your favorite color. There's something in the color therapy that the color you don't like is the one you need for more balance. Okay. Just like you're allergic to that color. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that's, that's kind of a, a, a better way, a more creative way, a more individualized way to work with the color based on her age and what she's doing. Um, okay. Uh, Can I ask you a question regarding, since you're talking about color? Yeah. yeah. You know, the glasses that they give, one is red and one is green. Um, and they have to do, like she has to follow. The, she doesn't like it. And quite honestly I was like you know what I'm going to try it myself so at least I know what it is why she doesn't like it I felt dizzy when I was using it are those red and green glasses and following is that a good concept or if she's she I mean I understand she says she's not comfortable I was feeling dizzy after it so here's the thing here's the thing she's at she's at stage one and stage one is we need to stop the bleeding. We need to get her nervous system more relaxed and her vision more relaxed. The red green glasses are step number 10. So it's, it's not the right time to present it because she's already in a, in a strobe like situation that goes really back to a very early developmental imbalance. So it's the wrong time to be doing red green because she's not ready to handle it. And so this is, this is the issue in practitioners 
they're not tuning into the person, right? If you're tuning into the person, you realize, whoa, this, this person is really in a fight, flight, freeze response. I'm not going to give them something that's going to trigger more of that, more disorientation. That's the last thing that she needs. So we need to start at stage one, which is gentle and slow. I think the cranial work could help. Maybe doing the color therapy this way. Remember, alchemy is I've got to try different things and use different, different things in different amounts at different times to create that effect of balance. And, you know, I would be very, very careful about the learning lenses in the frame that she chooses. Okay. That's going to be the, the, the name, the key of it. If you get a frame that she doesn't like, then you can't use it. So she's got to be really part of the process of, I like this frame, mom. I like the color. It's kind of cool. I like the shape. It feels good. She's got to choose it. She's got to, we've got to get her, um, you know, on board here. For That's the so important. What? For, the osteo, for the osteopathy cranial work, is there anything, because I've not gone yet, is there anything specific I should ask for or avoid? Well, I think uh, how I would say it is, is just asking a question, can, can we do the cranial work in a way where um, it's calming for her? It's relaxing for her. Um, and to explain to the person, my child is hypersensitive right now. And what we really want to try to do, if we can, is get her to feel some calmness, to introduce something that's relaxation and not get too complicated or overwhelmed. Um, and hopefully, the person that you chose is able to tune in and you know offer that is there anybody you could i to be honest it has been really hard it's finding people like you is really really hard what, what, what area are you in where are you I'm, I'm close to dc i'm in mclean virginia we're like 20 minutes from dc okay well how did you choose this person was it a referral or from the vision therapist okay but i well, don't know anything about okay um well here's the thing you can try you can try it i don't i don't know there are two websites that you could go to one is called the upledger institute upledger institute and they have a international directory of craniosacral people and you probably could find somebody in your area. You're looking for somebody who's really well-trained and who's maybe got some experience working with children because working with children takes a higher intuitive sense. Another organization you could look at would be the Biodynamic Craniosacral Therapists, Biodynamics. So they focus more on the fluid body. They also have a pretty robust directory of people and you know I know your area is a little more based in medical but I'm finding in these more medical areas that there are these other alternative 
therapists, and they could be in the form of physical therapy, occupational therapy, or massage, or just cranial, or like this person, an osteopath. So I think, you know, you just have to experiment and you're looking for somebody where there's some attunement. That's like the most important thing. Like, let me tune in and I'll start slowly. And, you know, again, we want to create a, a, a safe in, a relationship, like a rapport. Because, you know, whenever somebody lies on a table and somebody comes over them, it's like, whoa, that's, uh, that's scary. So as a practitioner, I need to be sensitive to the person's, you know, trauma or whatever. So I need to enter the space very, very carefully. Anyway, um, so I don't have a specific person. I don't know anybody in that area, but I would look at those two groups if this person doesn't work out. Okay, we have about 10 minutes left, so I want to go into the biochemistry piece. And there's a couple of uh, things that I want to say about it. Number one is one of the ways to improve the gut health is through um, improving the dietary absorption in the gut. And there's a couple of schools of thought. There's some functional medicine people that say, take a, a probiotics supplement. There are others that say eat fermented foods. And one of my colleagues that lives in Southern Virginia, um, I want you to look up his thing. And the product he has is called Ion, I-O-N. And it's kind of a precursor to probiotics. And it's a very, it might be a good product for your daughter to take. And of course, whatever you take, you need to start off with a, just a tiny bit. Because if you try to give the full dose, it's gonna to be too much for her. But the, uh, the doctor is Dr. Zach Bush, MD, and he has come up with a really, I think, uh, scientifically proven way to help heal the gut. And I want you to look at his website and look at his product. It's called Ion, I-O-N. And that might be something as a way to prepare the gut for, for a healthier time. Another thing to consider possibly would be to do um, some type of either supplemental morning drink that um, has a lot of vitamins and minerals in it you know sometimes it's called a smoothie sometimes it's and this gets tricky because kids are freaked out about texture and taste and all this kind of thing so it may not work uh but uh there there might be say a product that you guys are using that would immediately give a lot of really good nutrients and i'll suggest a couple in in an email to you and you can see if you know she's she's amenable to it again it might be tricky it might be something you have to sprinkle on some oatmeal or you know i again texture and taste is always tricky 
with kids and working with a lot of special needs and developmental delays, one has to be very uh, creative in, in doing that. But I like that approach because it gets a lot in early in the morning. Um, generally speaking, um, omega-3s are recommended and we don't produce those in the body. So a children's omega-3 supplement, again, I can recommend a couple of companies. That's good for the brain. It's good for inflammation. And, you know, you can't really get it from food. So that would be something to consider. And then um, for the muscles, the eye muscles, there might be some kind of a deficiency in magnesium. Okay. Um, so again, I'll make a recommendation where you're getting some of that in the body. And then just dietarily, probably staying a little bit away from the carbohydrate family and moving more into some level of protein, fats, and you know antioxidants uh, just generally speaking as a way to begin to move a person more into um, strengthening their you know their energy but keeping it very simple and just seeing what what are the foods and rotating them anti-inflammatory low glycemic index if you're doing more in the sweetening world um, and that would be just kind of a general broad brush, especially if we can find an early morning kind of uh, all purpose supplement that she could take that she likes that could give her quickly a good boost and maybe working with that ion product to help heal the gut. These would be just some general things, um, you know, without doing extensive either blood tests or urine tests or biochemistry. So how does all that sound to you? Is that sensible? Is that something you feel you sense. can do? Yeah, I think it makes sense. Uh, I was interested, you said the hair testing. Do you think I should do, I know, I mean, I. The, do you think I should do hair testing to see what's going on at the deeper level as well or no? Well, we could do that for you. I mean, I, I could definitely do that. So. Um, Yes, I think that would be a really good thing to do because it would give us a roadmap on what we're actually seeing in terms of deficiencies and, and possible toxicities. You know, what a hair mineral analysis shows us is a reflection on a person's body's adaptive response. So whatever the hair mineral test shows, we're gonna get mineral ratios. So it's our internal representation of how we're dealing with the external world. So when we start seeing imbalances and lack of uh, absorption and things like that, it's probably gonna validate what I was saying about the stress levels. And, you know, probably, you know, the protein and fats are gonna be better to do than say carbs. And we're probably gonna see that in the mineral ratios that there's a sensitivity in the carbs, but we'll probably see some other things as well. We look at, you know, the potassium level, the phosphorus level, uh, sodium, uh, the sodium level, calcium, um, and again, trace minerals and things like that. So I'll send you a packet and then um, we can get that test done and then I can send you the results 
email the results to you and then um, it'll probably just validate what I'm saying, but yeah, it'd be good to have that as a, as a profile baseline. Yes. Question. I know we're almost out of time for the stiff syndrome. Do you, in general, is that something that you see people be able to get under control, or is that something that is hard in general and it's a constant battle? Okay, two answers to that. I think with these interventions, the stress syndrome will be neutralized, so you'll definitely see improvement. But until we really create a deeper, stronger core, um, there's going to be a little bit of a weakness there. So when that stress comes back, it could resurface, maybe not as strongly, but until she gets really strong in herself, that's going to be a weak point. It's like when the eye turns out some of the time, now again, it's not doing that much. That usually happens when a child is fatigued, stressed, or getting sick. So in those three uh, areas, that's where we can begin to see the stress syndrome come back. But the thing is, now you know what it is and you know how to help her regulate it. I mean, it's a big time out for her. When the stress syndrome comes in, we used to see it right around the first grading period in November. And we could predict when kids would start to show that based on what was happening in school. So I do think these interventions are going to interrupt that. And the stronger she gets in her regulation ability, that's where it's going to eventually dissolve away. But, you know, there's going to be, again, I'm back to that word alchemy. We're going to have to do some different things to be able to, um, uh, to really push through this. But this is the, this is the strategy. So I will send you the recording, the moral reflex. Um, I'll mail you the colors and also the hair mineral uh, packet. And then maybe let's, and, and the learning lens prescription. And then let's plan on maybe talking sometime in mid-January and you can email me and just keep me abreast on what's happening um, and, and then we'll just take the next steps. She's going to tell us what we can do and what we can do based on her responsiveness. That's how we have to kind of go with this. So again, it's not a linear X, Y, Z. It's probably going to be X to B to Y to W. You know, it's going to be, we're going to have to dance with it for a bit until we get her on track. Thank you so much, doctor. I really appreciate all your help. It was wonderful. Okay. Talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks. Bye. -bye. Thank you for listening. I hope you learned something from the iClarity podcast show today. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure to subscribe on iTunes or Spotify and leave a review. See you here next time. <laughs>